here today, um, and basically, we have been in this message series called God of Miracles, and we've been going through different miracles in the Bible and how God has come through for different people, different groups of people, and we've been inspired by what, can, what God can still do in our lives today, and I thought it would be interesting today um, to, to tell you and share the story of how God moves in the 21st century. Um, we are here, I called, I invited Jamil and Ruben and Pedro and Jode, uh, because many of you don't know how Riverside Lisbon started. Many of you who even are volunteer or know about the Lisbon Project don't really know the story of how it all started. And so we want to go through the story today. We want to just spend the next 40 minutes telling you how it all began and hopefully we won't get carried away and take three hours because <laughs> there's so many things we can share but we want to go bit by bit in the story and share how God came through and how the story of Riverside Lisbon the story of the Lisbon project is a miracle really it's how God took people from different places not just us but so many people that are part of this story taking us from different nations and backgrounds bringing us together to build his kingdom so here we go we're going to share the story maybe later if we have time we'll have a time for Q&A so if you have questions about our story if you want to know more of things that we don't get the chance to share just now then just write your questions in the comments um, and if we have time we'll be able to share them later so Ruben why don't you start us off it all kind of starts with you so <laughs> here we go more or less because you were born you were part of Riverside almost since you were you were a little baby um, but definitely that um, the story of, of Riverside Lisbon and the Lisbon Project um, kind of starts uh, in 2015 in January. So uh, at that time, I was um, working at a missionary agency. I was uh, also helping serving in a local Portuguese uh, community. Um, but I, I, at that moment, in, at the beginning of that year, and maybe you're not super big in New Year's resolutions, but I really felt that that year was going to be different, that God had something new for my life. But that something new didn't, I had to change from where I was at because God had something new for my life. So basically that meant that I had to say goodbye to the places where I worked, the places where I served, and said goodbye not knowing to where I was heading. Um, but that prompt was scary, but very, very vivid. It was, I wouldn't say a once in a lifetime experience, but I definitely felt that it was from the Lord that, and, and fortunately God confirmed. So in February, not knowing where I was going to, I remembered um, that a friend of ours had spoken to me about Riverside International Church in Kishkaish, an international church that um, was already established in Kishkaish for many years, and I've never visited. Um, so I kind of decided to visit. I lived in Switzerland for many years, so I was definitely missing the international environment, the international vibe. Um, and I remember visiting Riverside Kishkaish, and the moment I stepped in, I immediately felt at home. I felt this was a place where God had a plan for my life. And a few months had passed, and I was still attending the, the church at Riverside Kishkaish, um, but still nothing was really happening and changing in, in, in my life. So I, was, I remember this very particular Sunday, I was feeling really, really down. Uh, I think it was in around May, June. I wasn't even going to church. 
that Sunday. It was one of those days that you don't want to see anyone. You can't even smile or pretend to smile because you don't feel like it. Not that I was mad at God or anything. It was just nothing was changing. I, was, I felt stuck. I felt uh, very lost in many, many different ways. But uh, the thing that the Holy Spirit does on a Sunday morning when we don't want to go to church is that we end up going to church <laughs> uh, anyway. So I kind of skipped the worship part, but when I arrived, it was already the message. And interesting enough, uh, that time at Riverside Kishkaj, the moment you came in, uh, a group of ushers would give you a bulletin, a flyer about the, the week's news and everything that you needed to know. Um, and I missed that part because I arrived late. There were no more bulletins available. And I stayed throughout the service. Nothing really spoke to me personally about the message or the re remaining of the service. So much that when the service ended, I stayed seated in my place, just praying, me and God. I didn't want to speak with anyone, like I said before. But when most people had already left and it was, a safe, it was safe for me to, to go uh, away, I stood and I turned back and I saw this bulletin just in one seat. And I felt in my heart, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit or anything. I just felt in my heart, pick up the bulletin. And I'm like, no, but that's gross. I'm not, not going to pick up a bulletin that probably someone just sat at during the whole service. So, no, it doesn't mean, you know those thoughts that come back and forth in your mind in those awkward moments? That was my battle. But it was a very strong feeling. Pick up the bulletin. And I picked up the bulletin, and for some reason, I opened it, opened it up straight. And it was this flyer inside saying that Riverside Kishkaj was looking for an assistant pastor. And immediately, it was the Holy Spirit telling me, this is for you. And as I was reading through the, the requirements and the, the aspects of the job, of the function, uh, it was literally like they were describing me. And so I, a long story short, I applied, I got to meet the elders of the church, and it was pretty, so straightforward that I got hired, and I ended up serving alongside Pastor Eddie, who has become such a mentor, an important figure in, in my life, in my walk with God, and um, it was definitely the beginning of something very special that knew that came from God to me. Yeah, meanwhile, though, I was not in Portugal. I was all the way in Scotland, in the coldest part of Scotland, um, finishing my degree in politics and international relations. Um, I didn't know who Ruben was, um, and, and so I was just in Scotland finishing m m that part of my journey. God was stretching me. I was traveling all over the world, doing different internships, and my plan was, okay, this year I'm graduating, and God's going to take me to the south of Africa, or I'm going to go to Latin America, pursue my career in sustainable development and, and fighting for people's human rights. And so I decided at the end of my studies to go home to Portugal and apply to jobs from there because I hadn't seen my family for a while, and I just wanted to be with them before God would take me somewhere else in the world. Um, but God had different plans. <laughs> And so I get to Portugal, and I'm applying for different jobs. I was always the finalist uh, of the different jobs, but just the door wasn't opening. And I arrived in Portugal in July, and in August, two friends of mine, God used two, two friends from Riverside Cascais to approach me and say, have you, have you looked at the refugee and migrant situation in Portugal? Have you understood their conditions? We think you should do something about it. You're the right person. 
And I look at them and I think, well, you're crazy because first of all, I'm not staying in Portugal. And secondly, I know nothing about migration in Portugal and, and, and I never met a refugee until then. Um, and so I just thought they were crazy. At this point in time, in August, Ruben and I, and this is the first, he will tell you otherwise, but this is the first conversation I remember having with him, <laughs> was we met at a four-year-old's birthday party, and we got into this huge political debate. And actually, the next day, Ruben was traveling with my dad to the U.S. where they were going for a conference. And it just so happened that my dad didn't have access to internet, so to speak to my dad, I had to message Ruben which is funny how God works. <laughs> and so we start messaging um, back and forth and talking while he's in the U.S. Mind you, we had just had this heated political debate. That's what we last remembered of each other. And so we're asking, we're talking, and, and God is working my heart about this crazy idea called the Lisbon Project and that maybe I really should stay in Portugal. And God was working in my heart, and I was pursuing these ideas and thinking, well, God, is this really something you have for me? Because I really don't want to stay in Portugal. And as Ruben and I were messaging back and forth, I told him one day, well, it looks like I might stay in Portugal. And I told him all about this Lisbon Project idea and, and what God was, was sharing with me and, and prompting me to do. Which Ruben, apparently, had been wanting to ask me out, but he thought I was just going to go away, so he, he took that as a sign. She's staying in Portugal. I'm going to ask her out. Now, rewind to a couple years back. I'm still in Scotland, and I'm praying in my room. Um, I was a student. I was a university student back then, and I'm praying and asking God about my husband. Where's my husband? When's this going to happen, God? When is the love of my life coming into my life? And all these people pressuring me around that I should be dating and I should be in a relationship by now. Um, and God took me to a story in Genesis um, where Abraham is looking for a wife for his, for his son, Isaac. And it's a kind of a weird story, but Abraham tells his servant, he says, go out and find a wife for my son, Isaac. So the servant goes out, and the Bible says that he arrives at a town, and he says, the first woman to give my camel water is going to be the wife for Isaac. Lo and behold, Rebecca is the first woman to offer him water. Her life changes. She marries one of the patriarchs of our faith, and that's the story. And I just felt God in that moment, in the craziest ways, just give me such peace, telling me, just serve me. Just keep serving people around you. Keep having this heart of service. Keep focusing on the kingdom. Keep having this servant heart. And one day, at the right time, I'll bring Isaac into your life, and your life will change. So now fast forward, Ruben's on Facebook Messenger in Chicago, and he's asking me out on a date. Next thing, I look at the phone, and I look at his name on Facebook, and his name is Ruben Isaac Faria. And I'm just like, whoa, this is nuts. <laughs> is this just, I'm like overreacting? Am I overdramatizing? Well, long story short, um, he comes back to Portugal, we go on a date, and three months later, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, but it was, um, yeah, it, it lo just thinking back those times and um, makes us really see how crazy God's plan sometimes can, can look, even to other people around us. Um, but we, we had this, not just that, we, we fell madly in love, that kind of experience, but it was, for us, it was profoundly because we were both seeking God and God's plan for our lives. And, and seeing those plans combining in such a beautiful and perfect way, um, it was 
we definitely felt that we weren't rushing into anything, that God was, was in it. Um, so this, because we got engaged in December, so basically from summer 2016 to summer 2017, so many things were going on. So Gabby was, had the Lisbon Project starting to blossom in her heart, and she was working full, uh, full um, work days, uh, basically just coming up with what the Lisbon Project is, is going to look like, a hostel, like a restaurant, like a, as an association, what is it going to look like? Um, and in the meantime, because we got engaged, it was, okay, we don't have any money, um, she just graduated from college. I had a, almost like a minimum wage. So, okay, if God wants us to get married, we, we would love to get married next summer, but let's see how God does things. So we were working a lot and, and trusting God for, for providing for us. In the meantime, uh, we got to meet many refugee families. The church in Kishkai also started to help many people. Uh, and we wanted to be in Lisbon. And because we knew that in Lisbon, there were so many families, so many people that had arrived. And, and not just uh, refugees, even migrants. The living conditions of many migrants in the city of Lisbon are, are terrifying or, or very uh, complicated. And, I, and we remember that that particular winter was really, really cold. Uh, like those few weeks that we had uh, a while back here in, in Lisbon, uh, it was a very, very cold year. So Gabby came up with the idea of making a coat drive, uh, a winter clothes that ended up being a winter clothes drive. So we have a picture. This was the, the first thing that the Lisbon Project ever did was a coat drive in the middle of Intendent. So like the, the hub of migrants and refugees in Lisbon. I just, uh, I just interrupt there really quick. This picture of where we had the code drive is literally like a five-minute walk from where we are right now. So that's just kind of a, a turnaround of what will happen later. Yeah, and um, we want that this is the closest to where we wanted to be in, in Lisbon. Uh, and in the meantime, all the official steps were being taken in March uh, 2017. The Lisbon Project was officially registered with the government. Um, and now we were looking for a place to settle and to open the association. And, and about that time, as we were looking for a place, God really put in our hearts that if we're going to open a social work in Lisbon, it doesn't make sense to give people physical help without giving spiritual help. So even though we, I was full-time in Kishkaj and we were both serving the church there, we felt that we had to do something, spiritually speaking, for the people that lived in the city. So when we were looking for places, uh, which was an impossible task, it, it took months of coming into Lisbon, just walking through streets and not finding anything, and what we found was impossibly expensive, um, all of a sudden, uh, like in the miracle, um, someone speaks uh, to Pastor Eddie about uh, this missionary agency that had a storefront in Lisbon, quite outside of the city center, but still, it was actually something that we could afford for a few months with the, the resources that God had already poured into the Lisbon project. So it was a really small space. But at the same time, we felt so much peace that this was the impossible door that God was opening before us. And even though it was small, it was tiny, we were so thankful that finally we can start seeing something uh, happening. So those months between April and May, we ended up also uh, planning the wedding for July 28th. The Lisbon Project had its inauguration. We planned it for June uh, the 
4th, and it was hectic. I mean, just the work of preparing that space, of buying pallets and painting and creating a kitchen where there was no kitchen uh, and trying to arrange and organize that wedding. Um, I don't know how we survived. I don't know how everything came to be, but I can tell you it was just perfect and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day in June where um, the community got, got together and just celebrating God for the start of, of something very special that was going to be a hub, a place, a home for people who had no home. Uh, and also do it as in the spiritual sense of providing people a place to worship in the, in the English language in the city of Lisbon. Um, and then afterwards, we, we got married as well. Uh, but it, it felt like a fairy tale in that sense. It was so wonderful because one year before, there was nothing. And, and both of us were a bit, even a bit lost. We didn't know what God was going to do with our lives. And seeing everything come to life and God providing for us to get married and getting married without debts, which is huge, a huge, huge thing. God just took care of us in such a way that we, we, we felt that he was before us this whole, in this whole process. And there was no looking back. It was just looking forward to what God had in store for us. Yeah. While all of this is happening, um, I had started visiting Riverside Kishkai, so that church is very close to where I live. I had no idea who Gabby and Ruben and Eddie and Marta were. Like, I was just, I was the, 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 the visitor that would go to church, sit at the back in a very dark and hidden seat, and watch the service and leave. Um, and I did that for quite a few months, um, until one day, Gabby went to the front, and uh, she called out for volunteers. So here I am sitting at the back, just, you know, just wanted to, to go to international church and see more international faces. And I wasn't very, I didn't really have my, my group of people yet. So just trying to find my place as a, a new migrant in Portugal. Um, so she made a call out to the front and she said, we need teachers. We, we want to, to, to teach Portuguese and English to a few migrants and we need teachers. So come to the end of the service, I went to her, complete stranger. And I said, hi. I'm not a member of this church, but I am a teacher. Can I come and teach for the Lisbon Project? But I'm, I'm going back to Brazil first. I have to sort a few documents out. So when I come back, I can volunteer. If you fast forward, like when, when we spoke about this later, she told me that she, she gave me no credit. She thought this Brazil like, is here's not going to come Here's back. another volunteer that says she wants to come. When she comes back from Brazil, she won't even remember. <laughs> I had no idea who she was. So as you see, like, gave me absolutely no credit. Um, but I did come back, and I started volunteering as a teacher. I would, I would go, so I had a, a full-time teaching job in Kashkash, And then I would hop on a train, go to Lisbon twice a week to teach for one hour. Um, and the, the, the commitment, I was supposed to make a three-month commitment. So it was just a three-month course, teach basic English to my, a Brazilian migrants. So I was very, like, acquainted with, with my students. Um, but then when the, 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 the three months felt like three weeks, it was super fast, and I was coming to the end of my volunteering. And that just made me very uneasy. I, I knew from, from the beginning, I knew that this was something special, and I didn't want it to end. So I called Gabby for lunch, um, and we had a meeting. We went to Kashkai shopping to a restaurant, and I said, look, I don't know what you can give to me. Uh, for, like, give me something else to do. I don't want to leave 
And I just, I knew, I felt in my heart that the Lisbon Project was my place. I felt like I'd, I'd found my, my calling. It was, it was to, to work at the project. So back then, the Lisbon Project had no structure. We, we, it'd only been around for three months. So she's like, yeah, so you can be the education director or the, the coordinator. And I was like, okay. Give her a nice title. <laughs> Just make her feel important. So I became the education coordinator. The volunteer education coordinator. Bear in mind, there was only she and I. So it's not like she could give me anything else to do anyway, because there was no team. But I was now a coordinator. So I, I was given a fancy title. Um, but... It, the, the, the whole point of this is to tell you that I, I found like this was, this was where I belonged. And, and uh, I, I got more and more involved. So I went from just being a volunteer to being the coordinator. And then I, I started doing odd jobs here and there and talking to the refugees and going with a person. I remember once she asked me, she said, can you go with this person? Uh, this person had never had a bank account before. So they, they were given a card, and they didn't know how to use the card. So I went to the ATM with that person, and I was teaching them, look, this is what you do, now you put your pin in. So little by little, I got, got more and more involved. Um, and then the project grew, which was beautiful. More and more people came in. And um, I was very torn because I wanted to be there, but I also had my full-time job in Kashkar, so there was lots of commuting back and forth. Uh, back th by then, we were already establishing this friendship. Um, and then... Eventually, a very important conversation came about. Back in, so those are my first students. So at the top where you saw the, the previous photo where there's like these couches. So we sat at the back and she said, look, Jamil, um, we would love to, to have you work for us. Um, the, the project is growing, I need more help, but there is no money. And I said, yes. I was like, yeah, okay. And now again, looking back, I think, I was crazy. Like she, she told me at the very, in the very first minute of that meeting, there is no money, and I said yes to it. I was like, okay, yes, we'll make it work. Maybe I can get a part time in the morning. I can work here part time. And she goes, no, I want to hire a person full time. And I was like, okay, but maybe I can have a, a nighttime job. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking the money has. I need to have some money. Uh, maybe I can work on weekends. But we we didn't know where the money would come from. But I knew that this was God. And so I said yes to something that was very new, very exciting to me, very scary for my parents who I, I live with. And they were like, Jamil, that's, I mean, you have to think before you do this. Little did they know that in my heart I'd already signed the contract. It just, <laughs> um, and um, so I, I said yes to, to this calling and we just, we just trusted. We trusted that God would do something. And he did. Yeah. Um, if you ask me where the money came from, I can't really pinpoint and say, oh, it was this person who gave it to us. Uh, I was even talking to Gabby this morning upstairs. When, when we signed the contract, her dad gave me a fundraising book. <laughs> because you're like, okay, now you have to go and chase your salary because we don't have money to pay you. But God provided. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, he, I mean, it's been a few years and I'm still with them. But um, we, we just, we could see God's hand so evidently in the way that he provided and the way he opened doors. And the, the money just came in, and, and my salary came in, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, at the, t at the time that when Jamil was volunteering, I mean, the Lisbon Project was growing that year, and it was getting to a point where I couldn't do it by myself anymore. 
Um, I couldn't manage everything by myself. And she just kept showing up and showing up, no payment, no money involved, and just saying, give me more, give me more things to do. And for me, that was such a sign as well of like, this person has the right heart. And I don't know where the money's going to come from, but I'm just going to propose hiring her <laughs> and to my surprise she's as crazy as me and she said yes <laughs> and 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 she doesn't know where the money came from I don't know where the money came from but the money came into our bank account and we were able to pay her salary and my salary and still cover the rent of the space where we were at but as you can tell just so far in the story I mean it's still um it's still right now summer of 2018 about um and it was crazy. Life is adventurous when you're a Christ follower. Life is unpredictable when you just trust God wholeheartedly. And this is not to say, I mean, we're telling this story very beautifully right now, but this is not to, to say that it was easy. There was a lot of tears involved in this story. There was a lot of, God, am I just insane or are you actually leading? Um, there was a lot of late night work nights. There was a lot of uh, sacrifice put into this of giving up other options, giving up other, other, um, other things we could do with our lives so that we could commit to this. So it, it was also difficult, but we just had faith and God kept confirming miracle after miracle that we were in the center of his will. And so by now I had Jamil working with me and to be honest, we didn't really know what we were doing. <laughs> I mean, none of us had ever led an organization before. None of us had ever worked with migrants and refugees before. We didn't know how to fundraise. Quite honestly, we had no time for fundraising, but we just kept focusing on one life at a time. Let's teach this person how to use a bank account. Let's teach this person how to enroll their children in school. And slowly by slowly, the project kept growing, and volunteers started coming, and partners started coming, and God was just doing, leading us. We just had to show up every day and be faithful. And at the same time that the Lisbon Project was growing, the church, Riverside Lisbon, was growing steadily. We used to have um, church on Sunday afternoons, and sometimes Reuben would show up. Now, just uh, uh, as, a, as a disclaimer, Jamil hadn't joined the church yet. She was just full-time Lisbon project, but she was still not at Riverside Lisbon. And so Reuben and I were pretty much serving on our own, and, um, and he was still a full-time assistant pastor in, in Kashkaj. And so basically our lives were super busy, nonstop. I don't think they've ever stopped since. But, <laughs> um, but we were basically going to Riverside Kashkaj on Sunday mornings and, and preaching and serving. We were leading Bible studies during the week in Kashkaj. And then on Sunday afternoons, we'd come to Lisbon and we'd preach. And whether there were seven people there or whether there was 20 people there, we would just come in faith that somebody would show up <laughs> and then during the week we were leading bible studies in Lisbon as well and life was busy and life was exciting and we were seeing God use us to to impact people we felt motivated but at the same time we were starting to feel a little tired <laughs> it was a lot it was a Lisbon project in Kashkaj and Lisbon and we just felt like we had to we were coming to a point where something had to change Either we had to go 100% into Lisbon, just go all in into Lisbon and leave Kashkaj, and if we fail, well, at least we tried, <laughs> or we had to close the church in Lisbon and head back to Kashkaj because we just couldn't do it all at anymore and and we felt alone and so we we spoke to the leadership in Kashkais at this time I remember is we were entering the autumn of 2018 and we told the leadership in Kashkaj and we said um, listen we're getting tired and we we need to make a decision 
And so we, we decided with the leadership in Kashkaj that we were going to enter a time of prayer. We were going to pray, and our decision had to be either we go back to Kashkaj and we close Riverside Lisbon, or we're going to go 100%. Ruben would stop being an assistant pastor in Kashkaj, and we would go all in to Riverside Lisbon and the Lisbon Project. And I remember we asked for a sign from God. We decided we're going to pray, and our sign is going to be God is going to bring us people. If God brings us people that are passionate and gifted and committed to, to the, his kingdom in Lisbon, then we'll continue and we'll go all into Lisbon. And that's where these guys come in. <laughs> yeah, so in 2017, uh, I came to Portugal for the first time. Peter and I were engaged. And I remember leaving, before leaving South Africa, I had many prayers, obviously, about this new country that I was going to take on as my new home. But one of it, that Pedro and I decided was, because we were going to get plugged into a Portuguese church, but we said that since I was still learning um, Portuguese, we had to get involved in an international church. It's a place where I can just, I don't have to think in another language, I can just think in my own language, I can just sit there and receive. And um, and we, we, I think it was like two months or a month after we, I arrived in, in Portugal, and we were offered an opportunity to go to the GLS, the Global Leadership Summit, um, and we were there, and again, like, everyone there was, in, was Portuguese speaking, and just me, it was just like another saturation of this third language that I had to be around, and not even properly understanding Portuguese at the time, not, not at all. And, um, and during one of the dinner times, um, we, were, we were like, oh, I told Pedro, please, let's just sit on our own, just for three minutes, I don't feel like talking to anyone, I don't feel like being with anyone right now, we're just like so tired. And, uh, and, but the space was so small, and the, like, the eating area, the canteen was so small, and someone said, please, can you sit with this other couple here? And like, oh, okay, fine, <laughs> we'll just sit with these people and make conversation. And so we sat with this, with this other couple, I don't even remember who they were, and um, and they were very nice. They were talking to us. And when they found out that I was South African, they were like, oh, we know another South African couple or half South African couple. Let's introduce you to the pastors of uh, Kashkash. Like, oh, more people we have to introduce yeah. ourselves to. <laughs> so we, so, but then we, we, they, they found uh, Gabby and Ruben. And I uh, was like, okay, this is a nice young couple, and they seem nice and things. And we ended up in a conversation, and they were telling us about the, the church that they have in, in the international church, English-speaking church, um, and about the Lism Project, this organization that they had. Um, it's part of the church, and it sounded very exciting. So Peter and I decided, okay. It was actually it was perfect because we got the Portuguese church in the morning and then we could come to the um, this English speaking church in the evening. So we started coming to to Riverside Lisbon and wow, God just like spoke to our hearts like this place is amazing. This, this the simplicity of the space like I don't you saw the previous pictures such a tiny little space like a little house a house church where oh, everyone. House. Everyone knew everyone, and um, yeah, every week there would be, you would know every single person who would come in new at the church, and you could just like make a new friend, and um, it was, and the, the word that was shared at the, at, the, at the church was also just like, it was such a blessing, and so um, genuine and truthful, and for us, we found really um, feeling like we were at home, and because everything was in the evening as well, we could, we could get more involved, we could come every Sunday and not have to choose between the two churches, and um, at that at that time, Pedro and I were working with another missionary organization, and um, because I had to study Portuguese, I, I was starting to feel very um, 
not useless, but for a lack of a better word, like I wasn't being used, my talents, because my main focus was to study, and I felt really like, oh, I, I want to be doing more. I, I'm used to doing so much more um, back home in South Africa, and now I'm just like at school again. And um, But so Gabby, Gabby offered, like, why don't you come and do your homework at, at the Lisbon Project? Come and sit there, and you can talk to people and all these things. And so I would, I would go some afternoons to, to the Lisbon Project and just sit there and, and talk to people. And eventually, we started getting more and more involved. Um, she would ask me to do, you know, random things, like, can you just make a CV for this person? Again, Gabby just telling people to do whatever you <laughs> I've never made a CV for some random stranger before, but just, just make the CV for this guy, are you, please. Are you just sitting there not busy? Let me give you some something to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and even at church, like, um, like just being in a church and, and Ruben offering us like opportunities to, to share and to, to be part of the church. And Pedro then eventually started, uh, uh, I mean, he was the only worship member um, at that time. There was no band. It was just Pedro playing. And um, yeah, that's the small space that we were in. And, um, and it, was, it, was, it was very refreshing being able to be used um, for God's kingdom at the Lisbon Project and at Riverside Lisbon. Um, yeah, so it was first like we started, started getting involved, me doing a CV, uh, then doing babysitting for this one who has to go to Portuguese class. And eventually Gabby just sent me to a meeting at one of these actual proper organizations. Can you just go to this people and talk to them um, about organizing a camp? Okay, this I had no experience, nothing. Just send me to this very organi- this proper organization to go and have a proper meeting um, with them, and uh, and and that's that's basically how we started getting more and more involved um, at this. And I felt like God was answering my prayer. Like I was starting to. One of my other prayers that I also had was I needed friends. I wanted to come to Portugal, and I wanted friends. And just being at the project, being at church, and we felt like we were making genuine friends. We were making, we were creating a family. And I felt God was answering that prayer for me. Like, I'm away from my own family. I'm away from my, my friends that I grew up with my whole life. And yeah, I am a few months into it, and I'm finding real friends, real family, and a home with a church and an organization where I felt that my purpose was, was being, I was being used. We were being used. We were being, our talents and our gifts were being used for the kingdom of God, and it was very fulfilling, and we felt after a while, you know, this is the place where we, we want to be. Um, I think it was in 2017 when we, dis- no, 2018, a year later, no, nine, I don't know, 2019, yeah, <laughs> we, were, we were here for two years, but still at the same time working with Lisbon Project and Riverside and with the other organization, and we decided, you know what, we are anyway spending most of our time with Riverside Lisbon and Lisbon Project. Let's just make this full-time. Spoke to our sponsors, because we were still working as missionary couple, and everyone was like, yes, go, do this. This is important. This is the right move. And, um, and so, yeah, so now we are here. <laughs> let me, let me just, sorry, let me just emphasize how important it was, especially as a, a new couple, we, when we came to Portugal, the idea to stay in Portugal was just to stay initially just one year and then we want to go to an unreached country, maybe Middle East or, or, or Southeast Asia. But we, so that was what we felt it was the, the purpose, you know, just a, a brief time in Portugal. But this is also how the God of miracles works and the way he speaks. He, sometimes he doesn't write on the clouds what's your purpose, why he sent us to Portugal. Um, but then we started understanding Okay, God, this is your purpose why we had to move to Portugal, not just for one year, not just for two years, 
what now? And the things just started to open up and really making sense and we understanding our place in God's kingdom. That was really important because we're taking, yeah, missionary couple, we are going. <laughs> yeah. No, and it was, uh, imagine if, if and some, some of you were probably with us already at that time, but just imagine all of a sudden there's more people serving at church, more people committing, and more people to look up to as well. I mean, uh, when Jamil and then Pedro and Joe, they come along, if it was just them, we would feel super blessed. But it wasn't just them. Around that time, God was answering our prayers like over and, and above. It was about the same time that Dina joined the church and Jody and Tyler, Alana, uh, Verena, Jonathan, John, Angel, and then uh, Josh came. I mean, many uh, of whom are, are still with us until today. So, so God brought them not just to be part of a church that was being established. God brought them with the purpose to build the kingdom of God alongside of us. And, and if you speak with them and you get to know them, that's, that's their purpose. Sometimes even more than their job is God has a story for them in Lisbon and in building his kingdom in Lisbon. Uh, so all of a sudden, we, we had no excuse whatsoever. We, we in, basically, in, in, Feb, in I think in January, we informed the elders in Qashqai, so I'm going to leave Riverside Qashqai, and I'm going to go full-time in Lisbon, which uh, it was, they, they didn't take this very joyfully because they kind of needed me as well at that time, um, but they backed it, backed it us 100%. And, I, think, yeah. I think they were able to see as much as us that we said we were going to pray, and the sign is going to be people, and then God just brought... People. God just brought so many people to support us. And I think in the same way that we were like, well, God couldn't be more clear. I think they saw it as well. So yeah. it didn't come as a surprise, but yeah, they, they were sad to see us leave. Yeah, it, it was still a, um, a huge step in, in faith for us, because um, meaning coming full time. And, and while I was still at, at I was at um, Riverside Lisbon, uh, yes, full time, but uh, a lot of my work also uh, was uh, supporting and helping Gabby and the Lisbon Project. So it, it was full-time, literally full-time. And I remember those times we worked from 9 to 9, literally. We, we didn't have any other obligations. Uh, so it was easy for us to give 100% and even more, if, if possible, to everything that was going on. But while that was happening, and yes, God answered with people, we still had one small big issue at hand. It was that the church didn't have enough income. Um, the offerings and tithes at that time, uh, we remember, were about 400 euros per month. Like every, every Sunday was 400 euros. It wasn't much. It covered the 400, actually covered the rent for the Lisbon Project space, which was a huge blessing, so we didn't have to worry about rent, but there wasn't enough money for anything else. But we were trusting God. If, if God is telling us very clearly we have to move full-time into Lisbon, we believed, yes, God is going to provide. And one way or another, God is going to provide. I mean, just take a look back and, and see the faithfulness of God. Of course, he's going to provide. But we were thinking it's going to take a while, and everyone was telling us it's going to take a while. It, this is something, building a church from scratch, it's, uh, and people come, they need to see the vision and understand, and they start contributing and stuff. Okay, but we trust God. Gabby was pregnant yeah. at, at that time, um, so we were expecting Jade, and, and 
it was terrifying sometimes. If we stop <laughs> thinking about it, even though it was about God's faithfulness, uh, it was a bit terrifying. Yeah. But I remember um, beginning March, and uh, we, I had a, we had the service in Kishkaish, and uh, the last Sunday of, of February, we said goodbye to Riverside Kishkaish. Um, and it was beautiful, and, and there were tears and everything. We started March, and we just told the church, hey, you guys, um, it happens that Ruben and I are going to be full-time at church in Lisbon as well. So keep praying for us, and let's trust God to be with us and continue to grow the work because a lot was happening. I mean, the church was getting so many people, and there were uh, groups happening during the week. So there was a lot of things happening. So it made sense that the church also knew that the pastors uh, were there full time as well. They didn't have to divide me with Riverside Kishkaish. But we didn't say anything regarding finances. We we made that decision. This is not to put pressure mm -hmm. on church that if you want a full time pastor, you need a you need to bless the church. That was not the case. We trusted God with the finances. But still, March was going through. And at the end of March, the church got incomes from 400 euros per month. That was happening for months now. Just the month of March, we had 1,600 euros in, in tithes and offerings in the church. I mean, we were mind blown. We were completely amazed. This could only, it was the same people at church. It was the same wallets. It was the same jobs that everyone had. But God provided. Don't ask me how. It still amazes me. And, and just witnessing the faithfulness of God that I could start having an income from, from Lisbon. We could pay the, uh, the rent for the Lisbon Project. And we could still bless the Lisbon Project a lot more. I mean, it was, it was literally mind-blowing. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, a story that... Still looking back, and, and sometimes as we lead church, as we lead today, we look at finances, we look at the things that allow us to do um, a lot of the work that we do, not only at church, but also with the Lisbon Project. It's a story of miracles. God is a God of miracles. I still have no logical explanation for many of the things that happened during this time, but you can imagine the joy that we felt from the Holy Spirit and knowing that he was the one that was providing for us. He didn't even allow us to wait a few weeks. He was immediately answering to our concerns and to everything that the church was going through. So it was, it's very reassuring. And these are times that as we remember, uh, God brings so much peace into our hearts so that we can face today as well. Yeah. And um, the church was growing not just financially, not just by the number of people, but also in terms of the quality. And by quality, I mean people that were very committed to the church, people that were starting living in Portugal and not just for a, a few months, but probably for a longer term. So the church started to grow in terms in terms of structure, the, the, the men's group, the, the, the women's group, the, we had an apologetics group, we had the Bible study, and those groups started to become more, more solid and at the same time bringing more people. So now it started to become um, a good problem. Uh, we spoke, you know, if you are used to this auditorium, the church was half of, the, of this auditorium, pictured it half, even the length was less. Pictured a, a kitchen there, even like a small bathroom, right? So with... 
30, 30 something people, the place started to be really packed. We started having people sitting on the floor on some Sundays because there was no more chairs or people standing in the back. So we felt a lot, you know, like we are this primitive ex-church where people sit on the floor, everything is so simple, this is really cool. Um, but it was the same time a problem because God was bringing the people. And um, at least personally, um, I, I was enjoying that, but it was only when God called another couple, um, and this couple not even attended every Sunday uh, with us. They were traveling a lot, so they, they, they came a few times, and they felt from God also that these guys have a holy problem, and we are now called to bless this church. And that couple um, first met with Reuben and Gabby, and they said, we want to bless the kingdom of God. We want to see this church growing. So start dreaming big. And so the course was set for a radical change. And I think only then we started understanding, okay, maybe we can move from here and have a bigger space where we can also start having more people and grow in our ministries, go on the Lisbon Project, providing more classes, more services. Things can start to change. I would just add there that um, when this couple first came to Riverside Lisbon and they first felt like maybe God wants to use us to, to help them grow, that Sunday that they first came, it was super simple. I still remember my sister was in hospital giving birth, and so I had her three-year-old son, and he was playing djembe with us on the worship. So literally, it was me, Pedro, playing guitar, and then my little nephew, David, playing djembe. And this couple just felt from God that, that, that they were to be used to help us move location. And that just shows you that it wasn't about how great we were doing things or the quality of our equipment or, or songs or whatever. They just saw the heart. And they, they loved, they were inspired by a heart that just focused on the kingdom. And that's where our visions aligned to, wait, God wants to do something with Riverside Lisbon and the Lisbon Project and something bigger. So yeah, so then the, the, the search began uh, in Lisbon. We wanted to move to a more central area. Uh, but like Ruben has said, in the beginning of the Lisbon project, when they had uh, looked for a place, center of Lisbon is quite expensive. Uh, we, we went to a few places where it seemed okay in terms of the area, but in terms of there was not a metro station nearby or, or transportation. So if we think of the beneficiaries that are coming, we want to be a place with easy access, um, or sometimes the places were in a good location but not big enough. We couldn't picture well how we put everything together. So it took us almost a year until we found this place. And actually, the, this, uh, we, we came to know about this place because uh, someone that worked for the agency that deals with places like this had been in the Lisbon project. I don't know now for what purpose, but in the conversation with Gabby, Gabby mentioned that we were looking for a place and he knew a place and then he presented us a place like this. So when we came here, um, it was almost immediately we felt this is, this is the right place. One of the big reasons was because we work with migrants and, <laughs> and refugees and this place is right in the hub of the migrant. Uh, migration center in, in Lisbon. So we would be very, very, very close to the people we want to work with. So then the place was empty. <laughs> it seemed huge. Um, eventually the contract was signed and this was April 2019, right? Um, keep us with the timeline, you know, then you might... <laughs> but, uh, but then we felt, okay, 
now we are starting running against the clock. One of the blessings as well was that the first four months was rent-free because we had a lot of construction to happen, a whole set of stairs to open, making the, 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 the auditorium, making the classrooms. How are we going to use that? And we want to do it as fast as possible, move from that place and starting working here. And again, God um, started, the people that were committed to the church were also committed to help with us as much as they could, even with small tasks like painting or removing uh, things. So one of, also a very significant moment was when we were about to start everything here with all the construction, but we brought a group of people, I think there's a picture, and we all uh, came together and we just prayed over this place. We, yeah, so we, we just thank, this is upstairs, you know, <laughs> you might not recognize it. Yeah. So we just said, God, you're bringing us here. This is quite scary because rent is still high. We don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of logistics. But God, we remember the miracles that you have done in the past until now. So we trust fully that you will keep uh, opening up doors, providing things, doing miracles for the future ahead. So this was a very significant moment where we just committed this place and we said, okay, let's um, fold our shirts and let's start working for the renovation and the construction. I think many of you can start to recognize this part of the story is now also your story. So if you were part of this time, if you were part of the prayer meetings, a part of the, the construction, just tell us as well in the comments. You know, I was part of this as well because now we're going to be talking about something that you can also clearly remember. So after we, yeah, we came here, we prayed over this place, we blessed this, dedicated this place to God. And I mean, just check the pictures, complete difference. We came, like Pedro said, this place, the, the old space was half of this room, not even... And uh, we had to fill this whole building with the, what we had little in that, in that small place in Lumiar. And, um, and again, God just started showing up for us. We, we were, people were giving donations. People, God brought people to help us deconstruct this place and then reconstruct this place. We had people um, every weekend coming here, people who just joined. I remember Hazel coming for the first time to church and staying after church to paint. She didn't even know anyone, but she stayed and she painted with everyone. Um, it was like, welcome to church. Would you like to stay and work? <laughs> you don't look busy. <laughs> and actually, I remember even during that time, we, we were doing a lot of, of work that we could do with volunteers, but obviously we also had a construction team uh, uh, doing the renovations. There was no classrooms. It was just an open space, so we were building walls. And I remember the, the engineers coming to, to Ruben and I and Pedro saying, what should we do? And we're like, heck, we've never done construction. We don't know. <laughs> like, ask Pedro. He's the closest to an engineer that we have in the team. <laughs> yeah, and so we, we moved. Our, I remember our first Sunday at this church, Gabby had just, Gabby and Ruben like to do things like on the minute we do crazy things. They get married the time that we start a new, they start a new church. They have a baby, so now we move into a new whole building. So Gabby had just given birth two days ago, and then we had our first service here. It was a big hole in the wall, in the ceiling, because we just made a gap for another set of stairs. It was a hole here, uh, like a gap in the ground as well, and we had our service there in that corner. And, um, Everything was dusty. Everything. We came in the morning. Oh, yeah, we even had masks at that time already. We came, we came to church. 
we came to church and we, people came early to church to come and dust off the space. Remember Dina and Tyler coming here and just dusting off all the chairs. And after church, we had to cover everything with plastic again because it was going to be a dusty space again. We had a children's camp in the front space of the Lism Project. Super, super bad because like, come on. Health like, and safety, <laughs> zero. <laughs> nothing at all. We had 12 kids coming every single day. We had to like make sure we didn't run to the back of the space because there was a, still a big gap in the, in the ceiling. But again, like, just in that time where everything was so raw, so, um, but it's, it was so raw and so under construction, but still so beautiful. We had all these gaps in our building, but the place was filled with the Holy Spirit. We had God and we knew He was here. He knew He was blessing what we were doing, and He was bringing the people um, we had so much help from the community members, um, from people who, who were coming with us from Riverside, from, from Lumiar, in the whole move from there to here, in the construction that we were doing, in the donations that we were getting, in the furniture that we were getting, um, in, in, like Pedro and Ruben were saying, in the, you know, in the salary increase, in the um, tithes and offering increases that we were getting, was, we were able to pay for what we were, were doing here. And, um, and I'll never forget, there was one Sunday, we already had the inauguration, um, so everything was more or less looking beautiful on the outside, and um, the floor was already in, the chairs were up, and, and the new chairs were already with us here at the Lisbon, at the church, and, um, but, but this one Sunday, we didn't put out all the chairs, we just put out maybe like 80, 80 chairs, the space can fill, I think, 150 people, and... Um, and I remember, I think it was Jody who was with me on the on the watch, on the welcome team, and and the space was filling up. The church was go, the service was going on. People were coming, and and all the chairs were being filled up. And and every time we would see, oh, all the chairs are filled up. Jody, can you go get more two more chairs? And Jody would go upstairs and he would bring two chairs down. And the service was going on, and every time two more people would come. Okay, Jody, we need two more chairs. He would bring two more chairs down. More people would come, bring two more chairs. And I won't lie to you, the service was going on for like, we were, we were I think Gabby, whoever was preaching, we were nearly at the announcement, and still people were coming. For me, I really felt like God was saying, just put out the chairs. I will bring the people. Just do your part, Riverside Lisbon, Lisbon Project, and I will do the rest. And for me, that was such an assurance of, we don't need to stress. We don't need to worry about all the logistical things, you know. We have to be faithful. We have to do our part. We have to show up every Sunday. We have to show up every day doing our part for the community. And God will make sure that he brings the people. He brings the right. And he's, he's been doing that and he's still doing that. I just think of the ministries that we were able to, to open, like the, the women's ministry, the men's ministry, the children's church, the, the hospitality, the band. We, I mean, like I said, Pedro was the only band member back in Lumiar. Now we have a full situation going on right here. We have a, a, um, sound people and everything. And it's just a, a testament of God just showing up and he's saying, you know, I will do my part, just do yours. And that was for me, it was just like such a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a really insane time and the pictures don't even explain how insane it was. I mean, we were having church with a hole in the ceiling and a hole on the ground and dust everywhere. If you had asthma, you could not come to church at that time. 
I remember we would have visitors come every Sunday and they would just be like, well, this is not what I expected. <laughs> so it was really different. And as, uh, as Joe Day mentioned, um, we had just had a baby and, and while all of this was happening. And, and I remember we were trying to juggle being new parents and pastors of now a much bigger church and, and, and leaders of an organization helping migrants and refugees in the middle of Lisbon. And so we were trying to juggle all these things. And one of my personal miracles of how God just is so faithful to see every detail of our lives is that um, it was a lot to manage. It was a lot of people that needed to hear from us, and we had to, to keep showing up and leading this move and leading these ministries, and yet we had this tiny human being that now depended on us as well, and, and God was so faithful in bringing people to help us care for her, and my mom was so incredible at the time. She would take Jade once a week. Alana was super helpful as well. During almost a year, Alana would take, we would drop Jade at Alana's house, and she would just love on her and then God brought this this person into our lives that we didn't know that well before Jade was born she was um, Jamil's good friend and so um, and God just crossed our paths and today Zelda is one of our most trusted friends and, and she loves on Jade like she's part of her own family I mean the way that that this woman and this family cares for our baby is just something out of out of this world and and God just brought people and that's that was such a miracle for the both of us that we could keep serving the kingdom we could keep leading the organization and, and in pastoring a church while God was bringing people not even people that we were paying to take care of our child is people who were willingly wanting to take care of our child and just spend time with her and love on her and we were just so at peace thank you God for for caring for our whole family and we made a commitment since the day that we got married that we would serve the Lord as a family. And even Jade spending time with other people, um, she was serving the kingdom as, as we were able to be released and keep working without having to worry about her. So um, at that time, um, the constructions, it, it was a slow and sacrificial process. <laughs> I remember I'd be like in and out of breastfeeding and still painting walls and still <laughs> trying to do th things here. Um, but God started just moving in a way and multiplying in the church and multiplying in the Lisbon project. I mean, now we were in our dream location back where the first time we ever had the coach drive. Now we were five minutes away from where we wanted to be, where migrants and refugees could easily access our help. We started getting volunteers and interns and partnering with other organizations. Now we had um, the four of us, the five of us were full-time helping in the Lisbon, serving in the Lisbon project. And God just started providing and we started seeing impact in people's lives we started building programs now we had an education program an employment program a benevolence program and we're starting to build these things and just God was giving us capacity and management skills that we didn't have before we never we almost never studied for it's just God bringing people to mentor us and and volunteers with professional experience that just would come up and say hey for free I can just mentor you and give you some ideas of how you could lead this organization better and we were just just taking as much help as we could get. And even financially, I mean, it was insane. The Lisbon Project, what God was providing. I remember one, one winter, that winter after we had um, moved into this space, I received an email from this lady who had been to Riverside Lisbon not too long ago, and she heard me preach, and, and I mentioned the Lisbon Project. And in the email, she said, hey, I just passed by Portugal. I heard of the organization that you lead. I'm really, I'm, I'm really inspired by the work that you guys do. And I know this foundation in Italy, they have some leftover money. Would you guys like to receive 8,000 euros? 
And I'm thinking, uh, yes. <laughs> I remember simple things like the, the kitchen upstairs. It was a smaller kitchen in our other space because we couldn't fit much more. Um, but when we moved here, I wanted to extend the kitchen. I wanted it to be bigger so we could do more things and workshops and so on. So on. Um, and, and there was a big price for that. And so I remember working on a fundraising proposal that I was going to send out to people so that we could afford extending the kitchen. Meanwhile, um, some friends of ours were turning 60. And for their birthday, without me knowing, for, they, for their birthday, they asked people, don't give us presents. Give us money for the Lisbon Project. And the money that they got in their birthday par party was exactly the amount that we needed to extend the kitchen. So it was just miracle after miracle of... I just really felt we had to move, we had to keep having faith, like Jode was saying, keep putting out the chairs, keep dreaming for projects, keep dreaming for new things, and God was just going to provide. We just had to do our part. Yeah. Yeah. And then 2020 hit, <laughs> and, um, and Corona was still a virus that was all the way in China, and uh, we, we'd heard of it, but little did we know that it was going to get to us uh, in a matter of a few, a few weeks. Um, and um, obviously, when 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 Corona the numbers started rising in, in Portugal, and again we, we didn't we didn't know it was going to come to to what it came to. We didn't know lockdown was going to happen, but it did. And in the moment it did, uh, bear in mind that by this time the Lisbon Project community was huge. We were already serving over 600 people with different services and mobilizing over 100 volunteers. So we were very busy. Like there was lots to do. And then all of a sudden, everybody's stuck in their homes. Uh, we ourselves had to just, we didn't know what to take home. I remember Jade and I came here and I took so many files to my house because I didn't know what lockdown was supposed to, to, feel, to look like or to feel like. So we just took whatever we could to our houses because we knew, we knew we would have to continue working. And um, our community that was already so vulnerable became even more vulnerable. Um, and um, the, the needs that were more of like, there, there was, you know, people would come for, for classes and for legal support, but all of a sudden, People really needed immediate help. They needed a lawyer today, and they needed food tomorrow. And people reach out, would reach out to us via email or WhatsApp or on our social media, and they would say, "I've just, I've just eaten my last, my last food. There's nothing else. Like I've just had my last meal. Now we're gonna go hungry." And uh, it wasn't just people from our community. People who had, who had heard of the Lisbon Project would reach out to us on social media. So we really felt the need of just doing something. Except money was, has always been an issue, right? So we, we didn't know how. how. So um, Gabby reached out to, uh, uh, to partners, and they, I think, was, was it 800, the initial one? Yeah. Uh, so they, we got a voucher for Pingodos, 800 euros, and we went to do shopping for that, and, and we, we got some food. But I think using that voucher made us realize how much more we would need. Um, so then came the idea of, Taste of the Taste of Hope campaign, um, and Gabby set up a page, and um, I mean, God bless her for, for her, her vision, because she said, you guys, we're going to start a fundraiser for 15,000 euros. And in our hearts, we're like, that's great, but Jesus, like that, that's a very high target, but okay, let's go with it. I'm sure lots of people thought like us in the beginning, just said, okay, amazing, but God, like, that, that's a huge miracle we're asking for. Um, and again, the money just started coming in. And uh, for, for four months, we would, together, the five of us, sometimes with some volunteers, would go to Pingo Dos 
and do about a thousand euros worth of food. So there was guys like five, six trolleys and just three of us pushing it through. And then we would bring it upstairs and put all that food out and pack like 30, 35 hampers every week and then split them between our cars and everybody would do some deliveries. And for, during the entire duration of the lockdown and even after the lockdown stopped, we, we continued with a taste of hope. Um, also during that time, people just, they, they, they lacked not just those resources, but they, 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 did, they were lost as we were, but we had the, the facility off, we had our friends, we had, we understood, I understood the language, I could, I could see what the government was telling me. But for most of them, they didn't even have that. So now everybody's been told to stay at home, but why and what is this virus? So we, the Lisbon Project was able to give information to people who were just confused about what, what was going on. Um, during the, the, the Taste of Hope, we also had a, a program that we called We Care. And this is where we were able to follow up and track people on a weekly basis. And we reached out to 250 people every week and their family. So every week they would get a phone call, an email, and you would say, you would see if they needed help with uh, school. So then Jodeh was now, like all of a sudden we, we, all ha we have this um, homework and, and we, we get lots of tutors to help the kids because now they have to study from home. And, and we even got people, pe sorry, people from different parts of Portugal are able to get involved in that. Like I remember a sister from Faro who was, was tutoring someone in, in Lisbon because this was possible on line at that time. So people, were, we also had people showing up from all over just to tutor, to be available to make those phone calls as yeah. well. People from the, we had volunteers all the way in the UK who were working for us and we're like, we don't even, we don't even know who you are, but yes, come and join us. We, we really need you now. So we were able to mobilize even more people in a time where um, it's so easy for a person to really focus on themselves and to protect the, themselves and protect, to protect their own and their loved ones. We found people that were willing to give, to give off their time, to give off their resources, to be somebody, to be a friend to a stranger. And uh, it's, it's, again, things that we can't explain, you know. Uh, we were able to help not only our community, but people who were outside of our community, who weren't even registered with us. We eventually had to backtrack and, and uh, register them because the, the, the emergency was, let's make sure that they are being looked after, and then we'll do the bureaucracy afterwards. And I would just add in that, I mean, this is, coronavirus had just started. Nobody knew what this virus was like. It was scary. We didn't know how contagious it was. If you got it, how, what would happen? We didn't know that much about it. And yet, um, just applauding not only these guys, but applauding all the volunteers that helped us, that just went out. I mean, where everybody else was staying home, they continued to go out into grocery stores with loads of people where they they were just vulnerable to the virus. They kept going to people's homes, obviously with the safety measures we could put in, in place, but they kept thinking about others and not thinking about themselves if they caught the virus, but just saying, hey God, we believe for the money. The money came through. We're gonna, we're gonna serve people now however we can. Yeah. Um, and, and thinking about 2020, and I, I think most of us thought and, and uh, that 2020 would be a memorable year for very, very different reasons. Uh, and uh, the church, this space the, the, was the inauguration of uh, Riverside Lisbon in, in uh, September 2019. And we started pretty much using this space to the full. Uh, we had people coming and joining all of a sudden. It was, we didn't have a limit of 50, 55 people and all of a sudden, 
this place was getting really packed. And I remember January, February 2020, this auditorium was filled with 100, 110, 120 people. I mean, we purchased 130 chairs and, and already like seeing this in faith. And all of a sudden, these chairs weren't enough for the people that were coming to church. And, and the church life that was happening, it wasn't uh, just because we were seeing people on Sundays, but it was the impact of the gospel in people's lives that would deeply touched us. We had community lunches and celebrations where we it was like God was in the atmosphere. It was just that overwhelming sense of, of peace and hope and being part of God's family um, that was so unique. Even now, we look at back at that time, it was very unique. Um, so we, we love to have community lunches and breakfast and everyone coming together and, and, and worshiping Jesus and getting to know the work that God was doing in people's lives. Uh, and even throughout the week, uh, we didn't have home groups yet, but we had a Bible study on Thursday that all of a sudden from 10, 12, 15 people, we had over 30 people coming on a weekday after, after their jobs just to study God's word together. It, it was mind-blowing and it was so inspiring. Uh, then all of a sudden in March, we, get, uh, we were hit by covid um, and this pandemic, and it pretty much meant that we had to close the church. We had to all um, worship Jesus from home. We started doing online service, which we had no idea, no clue what was that going to be like. Um, but all of a sudden, yes, many people that were just passing by Lisbon, they had to leave. But we still had a community to take care of. And uh, I remember praying and thinking with, with these guys, my goodness, how can we take care of people? Nothing has prepared us to, to lead a church in, in these times. But I remember the, the simplest solutions that we came up with, like uh, having prayer meetings um, every single day for, for half an hour, but everyone, almost everyone from church would join online and just pray together. And how much comfort and, and peace that brought it to us during those months. And we still recall those times where going on, on a Zoom call felt like, wow, this is huge. This is so important. But even that, we didn't know how long this would, was going to last. We still had hope that it was um, going to go away uh, sooner than later. Fortunately enough, that lockdown lasted for a while uh, only. Uh, but still, it left a huge impact in our community, not just church community, but outside. As, as Gabby said, the Lisbon Project was able to, um, to make that fundraiser, and they successfully raised over 15,000 euros, which meant food and help for a lot of people. But still, there were more people to be helped. And so as a church, we also felt we have some savings. It's not a lot of money, but... We don't feel comfortable leaving that money in the bank knowing that people are knocking at our door and asking for food, asking for, for some help. So uh, as a church, we also decide we're going to invest that money. Even if we go negative at the end of the year, we're going to invest that money in order to bless people today. Because that's what matters. We don't know if we're going to be alive in, in five months, and ten months, in, in two years. But we're going to do God's work here today. And if God gave us resources, we're going to use them by faith. And, and so we did. And, and we blessed many people throughout that time. During one month, we also gave dozens and dozens of food hampers as a church to support the community. That also came alongside the Lisbon Project. Um, 
Fortunately as well, we, we were able to go back to the auditorium in um, the beginning of June, which was very weird. I have to confess, everyone having to wear masks and we had to distance ourselves and, and trying to juggle all of this together. We're still juggling. <laughs> uh, we, we're back in a lockdown. We still don't know exactly when we're going to be able to go back to, um, to uh, our full services on Sunday, just sharing breakfast and lunches together. But throughout this time, and even though there are times where it, we struggle, I admit that I struggle. It's, it's hard to know exactly, but what am I supposed to do? How can we continue to serve God in such hard circumstances? But at the same time, as we reflect and we look back, we see so much of God's presence, and we know that COVID didn't uh, take God by surprise. God knew exactly that this would be happening in this year, a year where the Lisbon Project was growing, the church was growing, but still, God has a purpose for us, and God has a purpose for us today. In, in looking at our finances today, looking at the community today, looking at how people are so willing to serve and bless one another, seeing how people are engaging in home groups and being part of God's family together and, and supporting each other, seeing how such a, a small WhatsApp message can have such a beautiful impact in someone's life. I mean, these are times where we feel that we're not doing enough, we're not capable of doing enough, but God is doing more than enough. God is going over and beyond and making sure that his kingdom is continuing to grow. And we're part of this kingdom. We're, we feel inspired of being part of this story that will not end. God has a plan for us. God still has a purpose for us. I still don't know exactly what that future looks like. We, we live day by day, but for the glory of God, we're going to continue serving and, and doing our very best to, to serve you all, and you are serving us so well. We definitely feel your prayers for us, your compassion towards us. Um, every single thing that we do as a community, even if it's just a Zoom call or a call or a WhatsApp, or just coming here on Sunday, a, a few of us, so that we can have this uh, live online service, it, it means the world to us. It, and I know that this glorifies God. This exalts the name of Jesus. And we're so glad to be still part of this journey together and, and see the glory of God in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, so we could, be on, we could go on and on, and we skipped a lot of details, and our aim was 40 minutes. We've gone way over that. <laughs> but um, I haven't seen, I'm, I'm not on the, on the Facebook Live, so I'm not seeing if you have questions or not. But after the service, we'll have our Zoom get-together with Leanne, um, and maybe we'll take that time to answer some questions if you guys still have. But we just, the point of this story is to tell you how good God is and to tell you how faithful he is. That he is a God of miracles. Even today, in 2021, God is a God who moves over and above our wildest imagination. Life with God is crazy. Call us irresponsible. Maybe a bunch of kids who just were naive. Maybe we were. But also a bunch of kids with faith. That God is a God of his word. That he is not a man that he should lie. But when he promises to be faithful... That's who he is. And we have seen that. And, and it's this past, it's this story that encourages us to keep moving. And that's why we wanted to share the story with you guys as well, is to encourage you to, to walk towards the impossible. A few weeks ago, I, I preached about the Red Sea and how when we encounter the Red Sea in our lives, we are to be still 
at peace and know that he is God, but to move and move towards the impossible because it's when we move in that direction that then we see the parting of the Red Sea and we see God move. So I want to encourage you today. Um, there's a Bible scholar, that William Lasor, and this is what he said. It is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable. The task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of God in Christ. And that is what we're called to do. So I want to encourage you. What is God calling you to do in, in your situation, in your circumstances? How can you be the hands and feet of God to the people around you? What are the miracles that are waiting to happen if you would just have faith to believe that when God says come, that he will be faithful to provide, he will be faithful to equip, to qualify? I mean, it was in the end of 2020, in the midst of a pandemic, where, where we thought donations would be lower and tithes and offerings would be lower, that we just took the crazy step of hiring two more people onto our team, people that would, that would support us in the Lisbon Project. So we went from just being us to now having two more employees. At the start of 2021, we hired one more employee, and the Lisbon Project just keeps growing in a time that says we shouldn't grow, in a time that says we should be experiencing lack and need, God is actually providing and helping us do the work that I didn't want to do in the beginning. It's the work that he called us to do. So I just really want to encourage you, and I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray. This is not a story about us. This is a story about God. It's a story of what he does when we just say yes, when you just say yes. So I'm going to pray for us that God continues to move in this church. God continues to move in the Lisbon Project, and God continues to move in your life because you are called not just to make this world and, and people's lives more bearable, but you're called to bring transformation by the power of God. Dear God, we thank you so much that you are a good God. We thank you that you are so faithful, that when you call us, Lord, you are faithful. You don't back out. You don't have second, second questions or guesses, Lord. I thank you that you are sure and that we can be confident in who you are, Lord. Thank you so much, God, for all that you have done in, in Riverside, Lisbon. Thank you so much for all that you have done in the church, Lord. Thank you that, that this is a story about you. And we could be here on and on and on just speaking of your goodness. But God, I pray that your church will have been encouraged today. I pray that, that individuals will have been inspired to trust in you, to believe in you, to pour their lives into your hands because it's when we surrender our lives, when we choose to lose our lives to you, it's when we find them. It's when we gain them, Lord. I thank you for, for what you have done. But most most of all, God, I thank you for the different lives that you have impacted through the Lisbon Project, through Riverside Lisbon. I thank you for the hearts that you have reached out to. I can just see in my, in my head right now, in my mind, Lord, I can see the faces of people we have met along the way. I know their stories and I know them by name, but most of all, God, you know them. And I thank you for the way that you have used us to bring people hope. Bring people salvation, Lord. Thank you so much that you are a God of miracles and that there is still so much to be done. There is still so much to be seen, God. We thank you that the God who moved mountains in the past is the God who will continue to move mountains in the future. We trust you and we are excited for what is to come. Keep using us. Keep giving us a heart of obedience and of service as we serve God. You equip, you provide, and you open up the way. 
In Jesus' name.